BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Hawks Talk Podcast. I'm Pat Boyle from NBC Sports Chicago, joined by a couple of Stanley Cup champions from the 2013 Cup champs, Jamal Mayers. What's up, Jammer? How you doing? I'm doing okay. Or maybe I'm lying. And from the 2010 <laughs> Stanley Cup champion team, uh, Brian Soupy Campbell's with us. I-, I would say I'm not doing great, only because it was one of those weeks. It was a tough week as far as five games in seven nights. Uh, yes, the Hawks were in the games, but they end up with uh, with four one-goal defeats in six nights. So in games, but didn't necess- weren't able to dock the boat, as they say. Yeah, and really extremely disappointing. And, you know, obviously going into this, they uh, understood that they were going to have to shore things up defensively and in the midst of it lose their number one goaltender in Corey Crawford and some uncertainty as to how Anton Forsberg would respond. He was uh, outstanding in both games, getting, giving them a chance to win and picking up a point, sending it to, over, to a shootout uh, you know, in, in Dallas. So give him credit for that. But uh, to me, the real problem in the last week has been an enigmatic power play that hasn't been able to cash in on several opportunities. Supi, what was your biggest takeaway from the week? Yeah, I think it was... Uh you look at it now, and it's it was a tough week, obviously for the for the team, and um, coming back from from Dallas for a two-hour flight to to play uh, a, a tough LA team, a, a heavy team. Um, for me, it's just you know I think the consistency throughout the game. We can all talk about power play. I think that's blaring us in the in the, in the face, all of us. So, um, but just finding some more consistency throughout the lineup on each and every night, and. Uh, I think it's it's different nights, different people chipping in. We had had the game where uh, the four, so-called fourth line chipped in with a couple goals in in Nashville, and then um, tonight there wasn't a lot. I know Johnny or last night, sorry, wasn't a lot with Johnny chipping in there, and then the D in Dallas uh, on Saturday. So it's just it's kind of a it's it's kind of a little bit all over the place right now. A little bit more consistency would be nice. Yeah, a little uh, plenty of blame to go around. Other than maybe goaltending, which it's it's interesting when they had to lean on Anton Forsberg on back-to-back nights. So let's begin to break down some of those issues, and let's start with what you said, Jammer, the power play. Look, in this jumbled uh, situation and this fight for the wild card, uh, you know, not only is it just the Hawks within a point or two of the 7-8 and eight spot, it's that there's like five other teams that are with them. And at the end of the day, a lot of these games are being decided by one goal. A lot of these teams are jumbled together, and it's going to come down to special teams. And we've seen the Hawks win before with um, a great penalty kill and not necessarily a great power play. But when you're calling the slashing calls the way they are now and, uh, you know, some of the penalties and, and the, the interpretation that the, the league has now, these rules, you're seeing more opportunity to, to be on the power play, and one out of 14 over three games uh, is not acceptable. And it's not just that, like, 
it's not puck luck or, or you know, great. They're running into hot goaltending. Yes, on Sunday night they ran into the number one PK in, in the Kings. It's the fact that they don't really have much sustained pressure. They're, they're not even able to set up. So what have you seen and what how can they fix it? You know, uh, well, there's a lot of areas. And to me, they're, you need first thing to me is to take your two units and let's stick with them. Let's show some belief so that there's some confidence that can develop from a consistent group of five and then knowing, okay, we're going to figure this out together. We're going to figure this out. There's no, uh, you know, knight coming in on a, on a, on a horse that's going to save us. Identify who those two groups are, have a meeting with them, and sit down and explain what the expectations are, what the methodology is to going to be going forward on the entries, Give them two options and to win to run an entry. Say, this is what you're going to do the first time down the ice. This is what you're going to do the second time down the ice. Identify everyone's responsibilities to get possession and set up. And if you're lucky enough, because you haven't been able to do it, to win face-offs, make sure that everyone on that ice knows that within the first four seconds of winning that face-off, a puck is going to the net. And then we can set up and react to put the penalty killers on notice. And to me... Um, you only have to score three more goals yeah. in those 14. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden, you're 28.5%. That's a pretty decent power play over Absolutely. the last week. So it's not that many goals, but it's the timeliness of not getting those goals, a missed opportunity, if you will. So they have to find a way to fix it. And I think that it, it's for all those reasons, it's fixable. It's with, within those guys' ability. Identify who the groups are go with them and give them a plan and then they have to execute. And when identifying those groups, do we got to make sure that the that we got one-timers on each side? Like, Supi, you talked about how we're going to see Washington on Wednesday night and, you know, they're like a case study of how a power play should work and they have one-timers set up on both sides. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's, there's that way to look at it and then you look at it, uh, Nashville's had a pretty good power play. They always have Forsberg on a strong side. So I know they've, they've changed around. They, they started off the year going with a, a one unit kind of system or a one go-to unit and then they try to break it up and have two solid units and it was hopefully going to be a competition of whoever got hot would keep going and that hasn't worked either. So, you know, maybe they flip back and they, they set up a really strong unit and put your best players, doesn't matter what their, the names are on the back of their sweaters, their best players in that position, whether it's a one-timers that you have that you feel, you know, if you want to kind of set it up, we always say like the Washington way with the, the one-timers and the, and the right-handed shot in the slot and, and the right-handed shot up top. So you got to figure out if, if that's the way you want to go. And, you know, they have 12 wins this season, and, and in nine of those games they've scored a power play goal for okay. those wins. So you, you can see it's so hard to score five on five and how important it is you know, to, to score on the power play, you know, and you can see it in the win column. All right, so one area we talked about is power play. And you talked about the overall consistency, and we need to talk about the top six. Um, obviously, the top six is going to see, you know, the best shutdown defensive lines and usually the top four uh, defensemen. Uh, in this case, when you look at, you know, Tabe scored on a Sunday night, uh, picked up his seventh in, uh, with the empty net goal, uh, or not with the empty net, with his goal empty and the extra skater on. But we're not seeing enough production from the, the, uh, the Taves line. And I know Joel tried to switch things up a little bit, 
panic was on notice going into the game against the Kings, and John Hayden got the opportunity up there. Who would you like to see uh, on that line with Saad and Taves if you indeed would like to see Saad and Taves stay together? I feel like uh, a guy who plays a direct game who maybe, to me, has started to look more comfortable in the center ice position in Ryan Hartman, but I see him exclusively, uh, you know, on a need basis, perhaps he can play center. I think he's a winger. He scored 19 goals last year. He's a sandpaper, in-your-face kind of guy who has the finishing ability and the awareness on the ice to play with good players. I'd like, I'm not taking anything away from John Hayden. He plays a direct game. I think uh, maybe Joel was trying to get those other two guys in Saad and Taser to play a more linear game and play off of him because he's going to play a simpler game. But, um, you know, I think that you can get Hartman in there and he could develop that consistency. And maybe it's on uh, whoever's playing well basis. And if it's Hartman that needs to go back down to the third line, then that happens. But uh, Panic, to me, has proven that he can't, he's not consistent enough to stay there. Doesn't mean he won't play 59 games there or 60 games there. It just means some guys need to be pushed once in a while, moved around the lineup. Your, your thoughts on the, on, on the Taves line and uh, possible uh, people to, to be up there with Saad and Taves? Yeah, the, you know, I think, I think you do have to keep Johnny and, and, and Saad together. And, you know, I know uh, Hayden played a little bit last year with uh, Johnny right when he came in at the end of the season and had some luck. And, um, you know, for me, it's – I don't know. Do you – you don't – you probably don't want to break up the Schmaltz and Kane stuff, but Kaner played – or Schmaltz played pretty good with Johnny last year too. So it's whether you go full blender or you go uh, – you put it on medium and just do a, a couple guys. So, um, you know, maybe at Sharpie you get up there and see if you can kind of light some fire under – a few different guys and get some more energy. I think uh, the energy is kind of lacking uh, um, a little bit th throughout the lineup on a couple lines. Well, I think you got to earn that that opportunity for those top six minutes. And, and I, you know, but, I, I think we say that that third line had a good week, and they did probably compare to the, you know, the other top, the top two lines. The, the fourth has been pretty consistent. Um, but I'm with you. I'd like to – I wouldn't mind seeing Schmaltz – I'd like to. I wouldn't mind seeing Schmaltz get an opportunity to uh, to be up there, and and maybe maybe move to Brinkett uh, over uh, to the left wing spot with with Kane and try him with Anisimov. And there, you know, there you bring um, some firepower, some speed, and in in Debrinket's case. You know, a guy that has that kind of vision that 88 does. I like that. You know what? That's how easy it is, right, Pat? I like those lines that you just suggested there. And, you know, I think it's uh, – I, I remember it was uh, uh, Tortorella said everybody was asking about the line combinations he does in Columbus. And he goes, if you think it's rocket science, it, ra rocket science, it isn't. So, you know, that that's a, that's a good suggestion right there. And, you know, I would like to see, you know, Debrinket get up there and, and moved up a little bit higher as well. So, um and maybe it doesn't work like against teams like L.A., but at least maybe when, when teams aren't quite as big. Um. I, I'll, I will say this. I thought, I think, you know, knowing Joe, I played for him in St. Louis for six years, played for him here for a couple of years. I think that he's evolved over the years. I think he understands, and he's probably the smartest coach I've seen at recognizing who's going and who's not going. I am surprised that within games he hasn't moved to Brent Cat up a little more frequently 
I'm not saying he wouldn't stay there like consistently, but maybe five or six shifts, particularly in games where they weren't getting any goals like tonight, I thought he might get a couple looks up with Kane or, and just see what could happen well, when they're searching for some offense. Especially, so. I know t this week's kind of tough, five and seven, but maybe a – Maybe you got to start double shifting some guys. I know, like you, you know, now we have we don't play any back to back, so maybe it's double shifting Kaner a bit more and, and Debrinket and Schmaltz and getting those guys out there even more and and throwing them out there with the fourth line or if you want to take a guy off the third line for a, a shift and and get those guys going because, as we say, we're we're a third of the way into the season. We're not in the playoff. The, the Hawks aren't in a playoff spot right now. Right. So, you know, it's you and know goaltending's probably kind of kept them even in this this teeter-totter between the 7 and 8 spot and the ninth and 10th spot, right? If they didn't get great goaltending, we'd be talking about them being, you know, 10th or 11th. And, and I'll tell you this, and, and, you know, Antoine Forsberg has played extremely well the last two games. To expect him to hold the fort like Darling did last year for, I think he was out for almost a, uh, two weeks straight, two, right? Two or three weeks. I think it might have been 13 games. Okay. I don't think that's realistic. Yeah. And it's a different animal being, that, being the starter. It's okay to come in and spot, spot shadow for three to four or five games, but to do that consistently, consistently and do that, it's what earned him a starting job in Carolina because teams recognize that that's not normal that doing it for 12 or 13 games in back-to-back -back situations too yeah is special so to expect this youngster to continue to do this i think is unrealistic and so having said that i think it's more imperative for them to start figuring out now and taking measures like soupy's talking about about double shifting guys and getting that offense ignited getting that power play going so that you can give him some padding and let him win some games you know 5-3 and 6-4 if you have to. Whatever you got to do, you got to find a way to win some hockey games. And everybody wants to see Vinny Henestroza called up. Easier said than done because then you got to figure out who goes down. And I know they don't want to lose Tanner Caro if he has, you know, go, has to go through waivers. Um, you don't want to lose a center in an organization that is it's not stockpiled in, at center. So, you know, it, it, it becomes easier said than done like, how do you get Vinny up here? Who well, needs to go down? Well, Vinny Henestrosa's issue, to me, Vinny what's holding him back from coming up here is the fact that two things. You're either telling me that he's going to go straight to play with uh, Jonathan Taze and he's a better option than Panic in the long term, which I don't think he is, or you're saying he can go on the fourth line, but why would you do that when that fourth line's been consistently one of your better lines yeah. and giving you that energy that you've needed and chipped in offensively? So those two factors, I think, prohibit him from coming up and the fact that he plays the wing. I mean, if he were a centerman, I think he would have been up here because there's a hole right there right now that they need. And you think about, you know, Dabrinka just got off of the month of November too, and that line was, you know, or at least he was carrying that line. That yeah. line was going all right. So some of those power play goals, but yeah, you're right. I, you know, it's it's I, not like yeah. I think they, in some instances, they're scoring enough. They just need to find a way to get the timely. You know, that that's what the Blackhawks have been known for all these years is finding ways to to f get the timely goals and you know in a game like last night 0-0 going into the third and, and and finishing it off somehow so well you remember last year when you were on the team scenarios like tonight where you were down and you had an empty netter we would be sitting up here ready to post game like they're going to tie this up they're going to tie this up and that confidence I don't think is not only 
we, you know, the fan base doesn't necessarily have it when they're watching the games, and and I don't, I don't think it, the players have it either. Like last year, when you guys were down, I don't remember, you know, exactly the number, but there was at least four to six games where you guys scored in the final minute to either force overtime or just get the equalizer. Yeah, that's that's been the Blackhawks motto. It's uh, for the last, what, uh, since years, I got yeah. here, 10, uh, 10 12, 12 years maybe, you know. They they just, every fan, that's why you pay the ticket because you can know you can sit in there and uh, you'll see something exciting always. So, um, yeah, they just don't seem like they're 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 finding that uh, that finished product out there right now. And, um, you know, you, you look at their, their lineup and a bulk of their goals are coming from, you know, four guys that uh, – uh, with Kane and Anisimov, Saad with 10, and and uh, Dabrinkat with 11. And then, you know, it kind of drops down a little bit from there. So it's, uh, you know, last year I think they had six 20-goal scorers on the team, and uh, Hartman had was would have been set uh, would have been seven. He had 19 goals last year. So you look at it, and they need to get a, a more production from more guys. That's what I'm saying. you got to get Hartman going, and you got to get Taser going. And uh, to me, that fixes a lot of problems if you get those two going. And Schmaltz will get his. I think he doesn't shoot enough. That number for him could easily be eight right now, as well as he's played all season long. Uh, he's just a, sh a passer first. But uh, that'll come, I think, uh, as he gets more comfortable playing with Kaner. We've gone uh, almost now 17 minutes of the podcast without uh, beating the drum on not enough net front presence. I'll leave that to another episode <laughs> of uh, Hawks Talk but Podcast. But the D, I think, have been good. They've been getting better. The Keeping D have been getting alive. better. The gaps have been so great. Let, let's jump on that real quick. Uh, the consistency of finding the six, uh, and, and what, what are the other reasons the two of you see is why the, the D have been better uh, and, and better cohesiveness with this, this team? Well, I'll take a stab at that, Soupy. I'm not a defenseman, yeah. <laughs> but from what I see, they're keeping plays al alive in the offensive zone. Defensively, when plays are in the neutral zone, their gap is great. They're trusting the, the forwards that they're going to come back and cover for them. Their, their motion is backward. When they're in their own zone, if they can't make a direct play, they're using the pop. They're comfortable popping it to the middle to exit the zone. And they're punting when they have to. And if they're not sure, they're just going to get it out and protect their position. So I feel like they've been, uh, you know, maybe if I've left out one thing, it's getting pucks to the net and finding a way to get shots through and forcing the, the forwards to get there. Yeah, my only two things is even is sometimes Joel's system, it's definitely different than what other teams play. And even me coming here last year, I, I still felt like I was relearning the system and I played here before. So I think the, they're, they're feeling comfortable now again, Murphy's feeling better about it and understands it, and they're, they're shutting their brain off and playing hockey and reading and reacting, and I think that's why they're having success, and obviously Forsling uh, stepping up his game, feeling confident, um, and then now what you can see with Brent uh, Seabrook, his game's gotten better the last couple of games after kind of having a little bit of a, a tough start kind of going throughout the season. All right, throwing a curveball at you guys. I didn't tell you about this, but I'll start it so that you guys can figure out what you're going to say we're going to end this this podcast with a bold statement something that you think is going to happen in the next week or so we can even say before christmas uh with washington buffalo arizona and florida on the horizon uh, i'll start off bold statements while you guys gather yours and i will say uh my bold statement is this Vinny hinestroza uh will end up playing with patrick kane uh, on a consistent basis on his line before Christmas. And I'm going to go see Santa Claus later this week, and that is going to be my wish to Chris Kringle. 
Oh, if you believe that, you are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. Um, I think that you're going to see Duncan Keith go on a tear offensively. Okay, give me a tear for dunks because that would be very be interesting. What you, Like you're saying, like I two goals in have, five games? I think or? he'll have three goals before the new year. Three goals before He's the new year. He's got zero right now. Okay, well, I'm writing that down. Three goals before the new year for dunks. Yep. That would be a tear. Okay. And Soupy, your oh, bold oof. statement as we conclude the Hawks Talk podcast. I don't know if it's bold, but they have nine games before the Christmas break. Okay. I think it's it's going to be an exciting time, and they're going to collect a lot of points. So I'm going to go with uh, I, my bold statement is 15 points. So 15 out of 18 points they're going to collect Wow. heading into Christmas. I like it. I like their matchups. I like how they're, they're going to get some rest now. Uh, the big game, though, is Wednesday night uh, in Washington to start it off. they gotta they got to find a way to muster up two points there. And we'll have pre and post game for that on NBC Sports Chicago. So tune in for that 15 points out of an 18 before the new year. That sounds great. All right, hey, great stuff as always, guys. We uh, look forward to seeing you on the TV side. That's going to do it for the Hawks Talk podcast. For Brian Campbell, for Jamal Mayers, I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening, and go Hawks. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.